Enrollment is open for Thomas's upcoming six-session live online course, Navigating the Levels of Trauma Healing. Explore how to work with the impacts of collective crises and challenges and learn tools to manage anxiety, overwhelm, and nervous system dysregulation during times of accelerated change and disruption. In this all-new curriculum, Thomas and expert guest speakers will engage in ecosystemic practices to collectively explore our resilience, agency, and capacity to stay present and find deeper meaning. Click the link in our show notes to learn more and enroll. Or go to www.navigatingthelevelsoftrauma.com. Welcome to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel, a podcast that illuminates the path to collective healing at the intersection of science and mysticism. In his conversations with visionaries, innovators, artists, and healers, Thomas invites guests into a relational experience that allows inspiration and innovation to emerge. This is The Point of Relation. Hello and welcome. My name is Thomas Hubel. This is Point of Relation, my podcast. And today let's explore collective trauma and something that's close to my heart. I've been working in this field for over 20 years. And I wanna create a summary for you to consider exploring, looking into, contemplating um, the nature of collective or systemic trauma. So when we look at our world, or when we use the word trauma, we often use it for experiences that happen in our biography, childhood events, other events that happened, uh, violence that happens in our life. So that's truly traumatizing and very important and, and needs its respect and also its care and treatment and healing. And over the years, I've seen that in societies, there's not only the individual trauma, but actually there are massive impacts that have happened like a second world war, first world war, slavery and racism, a Native American genocide, uh, all kinds of genocides around the world, all kinds of wars, dictatorships, suppression, like you name it. And so there is a whole archaeology of trauma in our societies. And we were born into that kind of ecosystem. So we grew up in a world it looks like this is the world. People yelling at each other, recurrent conflicts, all kinds of relationship uh, conflicts and recurrent massive re-traumatizations like racism and uh, anti-Semitism and the after effects of, or the, the effects of neo-colonialism. So there is a world that looks like to us at first, this is the world and that's how the world is. And I would say, let's look at this a little bit more differentiated. There is a part of the world that is integrated, is emergent, is updating itself, is growing and learning. And that part of the world, that's how the world is. That's true. That's the present part of the world. At the same time though, 
there are many processes in our own personal lives, but also in this in our social lives, cultural lives, that are repetitive cycles. We heard that conversation, we heard that argument, we heard that kind of situation or saw it over and over and over again. That's not growth. That's just, as Freud said, the repetition compulsion of trauma that tries to make itself visible in life, but actually often creates just another cycle, another archaeological layer of traumatization. And so we want to talk about today that trauma is a personal experience, often an individual painful experience. At the same time, it's not just that, it's an individual, ancestral, and collective dimension. And today we, we are exploring the collective dimension because that's in the ecosystem. We are swimming in a water that has a subs substances inside that encode for trauma. It means that we are drinking this all the time. We are breathing it all the time. We are digesting this all the time. So we are in it. And the collective dimension, I think, is not spoken about enough. We are speaking about some of the symptoms it creates, but we're actually not speaking enough to the fact that we need some learning, we need some skill building, we need some also process work and some community space where we can explore how we are actually part of that systemic trauma, like puzzle pieces that show an image and all the puzzle pieces are part of that image that you see when it's done. So we are all also like a puzzle piece in something that we want to be able to witness, to be able to see more clearly. I often say it's like you lived your whole life in an apartment. You never left that apartment. One day somebody visits you and said, by the way, how does the house look like that you're living in? You can't say, because there is no perspective onto the house. We just know the apartment. So we can guess a little bit how the house looks like, but we don't have a full perspective of how the house looks like. And that's the same with collective trauma, because we grew up in it. We actually, a result of it, partly, we don't know, we don't have any bigger perspective. They can say, oh, this is collective trauma. We're all swimming in it. And that's why we see, we are so used to some of the symptoms that we are not saying, okay, this is how life is in the integrated version. This is how life is when it's hurt. So we name that part of our society is systemically traumatized. Trauma means the reduction of movement. Trauma means it's, it's nature. The nature of trauma is that it becomes frozen information. It's the permafrost in our cultures. That part does not want to change because its essence and its intelligence is to freeze information, to freeze pain, to freeze overwhelm, as an intelligent function to survive better. And it's great. In that moment, it's really needed. But if we don't take care of the after effects, it becomes a systemic issue. So if you want to respond much more skillfully and 
and quickly to climate change, that part actually doesn't want to change. So there is an issue there. And the issue is not putting more pressure on the collective trauma because what you get is more counter pressure. So we actually, and then we be frustrated as activists because the society doesn't want to move and people don't get it. But that's not the point. The point is that activism is amazing and needed and great where we need much more public education, where we need kind of a push to change our habits. For this, it's great. It's not great, actually the opposite, it creates counter pressure. If we push from an activist place against trauma, we, we actually get a backlash. So for that part in our society, we need healing spaces. We need collective healing spaces in order for us to digest the collective residue, a Holocaust, a second world war, slavery and racism. These are massive wounds in the society. There's, there's a lot of holding that was needed to go through these painful situations. And, and that holding cannot just move and we cannot just say, just move. It doesn't work like that. It needs relationship. It needs to be felt. It needs to be attuned to. It, we need to create safe spaces to be able to reflect, to digest, to integrate, to learn and grow together and transform the legacy, the dark legacy of our histories and maybe of our own lifetimes to transform the dark legacy into movement. So the more we melt the collective permafrost, the more we liquefy the past, the more energy and intelligence we have available to deal with the current issues. And I think it's a crisis. What does crisis mean? Is that more and more pressure pushes against the frozen past. And often crisis discharges itself through conflict. That's the last way how systems can change. If there's so much pressure against the, the unmoving parts that are usually unconscious, they're residing somewhere in the collective unconscious, it's not just a willful resistance, it's often we don't even know that we are resisting. You don't even know how we are doing it because it's not in our conscious reach, but it's still happening. And and so we need a collective awareness and it's not an either or, do we need activism or healing? No, we need both. When a surgeon in a hospital uh, performs a surgery, it doesn't mean that the, the rest of the hospital stands still and waits and does nothing. So everybody will do their job while the surgery is happening. So it doesn't mean that when we need healing spaces, we cannot do the rest in parallel, but we need all the competencies together to deal with the situation. And so unrecognized systemic trauma is the sand in the engine and is also the reason why we have a limited awareness of what's happening in our social spaces. The collective absencing, as also Otto Shama talks a lot about absencing as the reason for social issues, that Collective trauma creates massive spaces that are unfelt and where our collective awareness is not. 
is not present, is not sensing, is not active. These are the spaces where a lot of re-traumatization happens. So we, we do need collective, a collective architecture. We need to create social healing spaces in order to deal with the social absencing and with the recurrent patterns of social re-traumatization. And because trauma leads to othering, we saw during COVID, there's more stress through the pandemic and the, the fragmentation, the polarization, the othering got much stronger. It didn't get, get much stronger, by the way. It just was more visible because more stress onto the system makes the fragmentation more obvious. It's like often with us, when we get really stressed, our patterns come out much stronger and our defense mechanisms are much more to see when, we, when there's too much stress in our life. So when we have more stress in the social system or on the social system, then the fragmentation becomes very obvious. And that's, that results in strong polarization, but it also results in a massive lack of global collaboration to deal with the most emergent issues that we are dealing with. One of them is conflict. Conflict still looks like geographically localized versus a systemic issue that the planet has, that all countries have. You know, they don't get it. Who is they? Where am I when they are there? What is my relationship to them? Also in society, how we deal with with um, re-traumatization through school shooting, it's that guy did it versus what do all of us have to do with it? How, do, how does each and every one of us contribute to recurrent issues that are happening all the time? How many school shootings are there? It needs to be a moment and say, no, it's not just the few people that do it. It's all of us contributing to an ecosystem that brings that forth. So that's much more an ecosystemic way of thinking, not just a, a, a merely separate individual does something. It's we are ecosystemically interrelated. We are interdependent. Everybody who doesn't believe it, you will see it when we don't breathe for more than three minutes. We know what trees and plants are doing for us right now. Without that, we wouldn't have any podcast. So the oxygen that we breathe and the living process of the biosphere is interdependent with our existence. We don't exist alone. We always exist as interdependent relationships with the systems that we are part of. What we throw, the toxins we throw into the ecosystem, as sooner or later the toxins we will breathe and eat and drink and experience. So that means that we are all responsible to deal with the after effect of collective trauma. And collective trauma is for most of it, except nature catastrophes, human-made toxicity. It's the transgressions against human rights. So we are, we are living in an ecosystem of thousands of years of killing, torturing, suppressing, and we are living in an ecosystem that carries the toxins of 
all that history. It also carries all the healing, all the wisdom, all the brightness, all the joy, all the beauty. Of course, it carries all of it. So it's our responsibility as cultural spaces, as societies, to implement social healing architectures that help us to deal with that aftermath because it's a public health necessity. I think it will, after some years, we will see how healthcare costs will get reduced, how there's more happiness, more motivation, more care, more togetherness, less othering, less racism, less anti-Semitism, less marginalization. There's more inclusivity because we see nobody is actually out there. Everybody is in the same water. We're all swimming in the same water. The times that we threw the toxic waste outside, somewhere in a global village, suddenly everywhere is in the village. There's nothing outside of the village. So now we are getting everything back. Microplastic, toxins, CO2, all this stuff is in here, in our living room. And the only way to deal with it is First of all, to recognize that and to be willing to sit in the spaces together that are sometimes also painful, that we need more competence to be in the ecosystem that we created, that our ancestors created, and to begin to create a different quality. And that quality will start to clean the water. It starts to clean the water. And the more we clean the water, the more we have an ecosystem that will be a home for all of us, not just for some, some of us that are privileged, that there's uh, an ecosystem that is a fair, just, and an equal space for all of us to flourish. But we have to create that ecosystem because now, we're still creating something else by looking away from the past. We are naturally perpetuating it by looking away from our shared collective past. We are the ones that pass it on to the next generation. And we need to see if we want that. And for sure, there are other opportunities, other possibilities. There's another way. And that depends on us first to create together a bigger awareness. There is systemic traumatization. It has severe after effects. We can do something about our presence, our participation, our relational skill set, our willingness to be together also in the discomfort of what has been created in life so far is actually the beginning of a collective growth. So we need collective healing spaces. We need to ask for that also from not in the civil society movement and from our governments to see the tremendous impact that they can have on the health of our societies, the resilience of our societies, the collaboration, the reduction of polarization and othering into like a mutual orchestra. Imagine all of us being musicians and we have to play a symphony. That's our job. And so I hope 
that looking a bit deeper, of course, there's so much more to say, but um, if you want to go deeper with it, uh, I also write about this a lot in my new book, Attunes, which will come out on September 12th or any other of our resources in our community where we illuminate collective trauma uh, much more. And so I hope that's an interesting soundbite and also an interesting way to contemplate um, how you experience the ecosystem that you're a part of. You're invited to attend a free online event featuring in-depth interviews, poetry readings, movement sessions, guided meditations, and panel discussions delving into a theme of creating a global healing movement. The Collective Trauma Summit is an online gathering of artists, activists, scientists, and visionaries convened by Thomas Hubel to explore the effects of trauma in our society and to inspire a collective healing movement. Go to collectivetraumasummit.com to register for the free event, which starts September 26th. Thanks for listening to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel. Stay connected by visiting our website, pointofrelationpodcast.com, and by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review and share about us with your community on social media. Thank you. We appreciate your support.